So many owners open their shops with the dream of doing auto repair the right way, being an asset to their community, having free time with their families, and having the ability to create a financial legacy. In reality, so many find themselves working long days, are struggling to find and keep good staff, and can barely pay the bills. Since 2016, the fastest growing automotive repair coaching company, ShopFix Academy's sole purpose is to stop the average small business from destroying the average family. Call 615-645-3683 to speak to someone on their leadership team about seeing if ShopFix Academy is a good fit for your shop. Learn more at shopfixacademy.com. And it felt like he was basically speaking directly to me when he said I was the problem because he listed all of the problems that I was having and then said, you're the problem. This is Success Leaves Clues, an automotive industry podcast, and I'm your host, Thomas Hayes. What if you found out all along that you were the problem that was causing your shop or even your life to not be where you wanted them? That you were the source of your own discontentment and frustration? I feel that so many run from such a thought because honestly, I think when we acknowledge that we have that much power, it would mean we have to take responsibility and change. This train of thought is what transformed today's hero, Todd Baldridge, owner of Buckeye Complete Auto Care in Columbus, Ohio. Todd owned his responsibility in his situation and it changed everything. This revelation propelled him to create a thriving shop where his team loves working there and his customers have to fight over parking spots just to get in. There are so many great nuggets in this interview, so stick around. An effective online presence is a critical part of your shop's growth and profitability which is why it only makes sense to use the company that many top-performing repair shops use for managing their online presence, Leads Near Me. Leads Near Me effortlessly increases your car count with a strategic combination of killer websites, high-converting Google ads, traffic-driving social media posts, and more. Reach them by text or call at 888-953-2379 or visit them online at leadsnearme.com. Leads Near Me, effortlessly increase car count. Todd, welcome to the show. Happy to have you. Thanks, Thomas. I'm happy to be here. Awesome, man. So um, I've known you for a long time. Uh, For those that don't know you, who are you? Todd Baldridge. I am the owner of Buckeye Complete Auto Care in Columbus, Ohio. And uh, if that's who I am. Something, it might be interesting for people to know about you, and and I'd love for you to share the story in this. Uh, You uh, have got Superman shirts, Superman, I've seen stickers and logos. Like that seems to be a a theme or part of your, I guess, personal brand. What's that about? Um, that comes way back. Um, I was a, um, egotistical technician. Um, and as a, uh, egotistical technician, I had other people who helped keep feeding that ego. Um, I was a high hour turner and, um, strong, I guess. So one of the guys at the shop just started calling me Superman. And then the rest of the shop 
called me Superman. And then I was starting to get introduced to people at events as Superman. And that's, it's probably been 18, maybe 20 years now that that, uh, that that started. And now it's become, it's morphed into its, its own thing. People are like, oh, you into comic books? Like, no, I'm not. I'm just, uh, <laughs> it's just a nickname that I picked up. So I, I still get called that at least once or twice a week. I think it suits you. I really do. Thanks. I, I, Thanks. I, yeah, you're, you've, you definitely got some superhero qualities uh, from what I have experienced with you. So uh, you started as a technician. When did you start turning wrenches? How old were you? Um, well, I guess it started when I was about 13, like when I started getting into it. That's the thing that got me in was there was a Camaro with a blower sticking out of the hood at my buddy's house. And he was like, yeah, that's my dad's race car. And I was like, yes, this is the path I want to go. So I would tinker in his garage. And uh, he actually got me started working on cars at a Firestone when I was about 15 or just turned 16 and uh, just changing oil and being the shop grunt, so to speak. Found out that I might actually be kind of okay at working on cars. So my dad, who owns a plumbing company, was like, hey, you know, I think you should come work at the plumbing company. And that sealed the deal. I wasn't going to be a plumber. Because uh, there was no way I was going to go work for my dad. I love him to death, and um, we have a great relationship. But there was no way I was going to go working for him when I was 16. So I did the apprenticeship through school, and I was working about 45 hours, 50 hours a week my senior year as a technician. And just really started to like it. And it took off. I started going to training classes, started finding out that, I could make some pretty good money at it, especially at 19, 20 years old. And uh, then it turned into something I couldn't control anymore. I, I tried to get out of the industry twice and was like, well, that's really? not going to happen. So I've just, I was a technician. Then I was a storm or service advisor. Then I became a store manager and I was managing for a uh, local tire company here in Columbus. And that tire company would hold your feet to the fire for hours. And my wife got pregnant and I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing this management thing anymore. And right then and that, right then and there, I kind of vowed to not be beholden to somebody else for time and that I would not put anything but my family first. And I quit being a manager. I went back to wrenching and found the opportunity to get into my father-in-law's shop. My father-in-law called me about seven years before I started working for him and asked me to come run his muffler shop. And I told him, absolutely not. I was perfectly happy. Um, plus, we didn't really get along that well for me to be working with him. But he knew that I could, you know, work on cars and that I was already managing a store. And then a little while later, I was working at another place and really starting to get the itch to do my own thing. And I was kind of doing my own thing on the side, starting out working actually in my dad's plumbing garage on customers' cars on the, on the weekends. And then he called me again. My father-in-law called me again and said, all right, I no longer want you to come run the company. I need you to come take this thing over. It's losing money. I don't know what to do with it. 
Like it's, it's, it won't be here in a year if we don't make a change. So I said yes, and I decided to come on board with the caveat that I would be allowed to buy it at some point in time. So that was 2012, and then we were, they were barely scraping by. They weren't making a single dollar. He was constantly putting money back into the business, and I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. I was just a technician who had managed a couple times, and uh, he wanted me to work on cars and run the counter. And so from the very beginning of me starting uh, to work for him, it was turmoil, to say the least. There were a couple times I had to set my keys on the counter and say, all right, I can't work for you. I'm just going to go off and do my own thing. Wow. He eventually allowed me to go get some training, and I went to my first coaching company. And that first coaching company helped me at least understand what a profit and loss statement was, at least be able to see it, know what gross profit was, have an inkling of how to work with the metrics or the KPIs and let those lead me and start making decisions based on those. Then in 2015, I got the opportunity to buy it. I paid a fortune for a company that still wasn't making any money. And here we are today. Purchased it in 2015. Um, we were doing $50,000 months when I bought it. And we should do $175,000. Today is the last day of the month. And we should do one seventy-five this month. So just, you know, a little growth. A little bit, yeah. It's not, a, it's, <laughs> you know, I, I, I it's not. I always fight with myself about the difference between how far I've come and what the potential really is. And uh, since I know that we haven't actually hit the potential, I, uh, I still argue with myself as to whether or not we're doing it, whether or not we're doing it right, I guess, so to say. Numbers speak for themselves. I think that's an important thing for us to reflect on when we're measuring ourselves is, you know, what are, what are we actually producing on the P&L? So... You know, for you to get from fifty-five thousand months to one hundred seventy-five thousand dollars months, I mean, that there's a a major transformation. And since I've known you, I've seen you just grow and grow and grow and transform and and break through ceilings. Can you unpack some of that for us? Like, I, I would love for you to kind of explain what that progression was like. What are some of the things that really helped you be able to move forward? Because I think there's a lot of folks on this call that you know, maybe you're at that 50K and they're stuck or, you know, million, whatever the number is, you've found how to break through. Unpack that for us a bit. So I guess I would start by saying that, you know, when I was a technician, um, you always had something to chase. You could always be a better technician or a higher hour turner or become a foreman instead of the lead tech or the service manager. There was always a place that I was chasing to get better. And I have always innately had that drive to just never being satisfied or, or content. I always am looking to figure out a way to be the best at a situation or be the best at what I do. 
not necessarily against other people, but for myself. So when I became a shop owner, I didn't have anybody to, that's the pinnacle for technicians. You know, that, that's, that's, where, that's where all the technicians want to land. They're like, uh, now I own my own shop. And it was like, okay, cool. I must know everything, right? And the I must know everything allowed me to be content for a little while. I was still in a coaching company and I was in a 20 group and I have some amazing people. Um, I have an accountability partner from that first coaching company and we talk every Wednesday, except for the Wednesdays I let him down and don't call him because I'm a forgetful person sometimes. Um, he'll laugh at that. That'll be good for him. The, uh, <laughs> but having that place and being in that content spot started to cause my business to plateau and actually start to die off. Um, we started falling apart in sales because I thought I'm going to start educating my customer and I was going to do it my way. And we started taking appointments only and we were dictating things. And in December of 2017, we were on the verge of bankruptcy. I remember in January of 2018, I had ran payroll on my personal credit card uh, so that everybody in the shop could get paid. And I was assisted by some friends to get me to a conference. And when I was at that conference, I was telling these guys, like, you know, my, I'm just in such a bad location. You know, it, never once did I say I'm the problem. Never once did I think it could be me, right? So I had some other people who were supporting some of my bad decisions um, and telling me they were good ideas. And at this conference that I was at, there was talk about a different company. And... I decided that I was going to spend my last 500 bucks on a ticket. And I went to a conference at a different coaching company. And it felt like he was basically speaking directly to me when he said I was the problem. Because he listed all of the problems that I was having and then said, you're the problem. He wasn't talking to me. He was talking to a whole room. But I was absolutely certain that he had like gone through some bio of mine and built this whole conference around all of my problems. Um, and I started talking to some people there who countered my ideas. And I guess I was finally for the first time open enough to the fact that um, I might be the problem. And I decided that I was going to make some changes. And I was going to read a couple books that he had recommended. Um, I'll say it right here that the thing that probably changed my life was the reading of a book called Leadership and Self-Deception. That book. Great book. I'm reading it again right now. I'm probably on my 14th time reading it. I think uh, it helps realign my mindset sometimes. 
But leadership and taking responsibility for where you're at and then making decisions based on the I'm the problem. What do I have to do to fix me so that we can move forward um, has been the number one thing that's changed everything. Is just recognizing I'm the problem and then doing leadership training and coaching and listening to people smarter than me. It's incredible. So you, you went to this conference, you, you joined the other coaching company. Um, you know, you're having this epiphany that, that I am the problem. What was the journey like of you taking that knowledge and applying it and then rebuilding your business? I remember before we left that conference, the speaker saying, do not go home and break your shop. Because I was going to fire everybody. I was like, I'm, I'm going to have to start over. I'm not going to be able to take back all of these things. I'm not going to be able to go back and lead these people. I'm going to have to start all over. I'm going to fire everybody. And then he said, don't break your shop. So instead of going home and um, breaking my shop, I, I went home and took that information, took the next day off, went and sat with my father and explained to him all these things and decided to do one thing. The next day, I was only going to do one thing. When I got to work, I was going to tell everybody that from this point forward, we were going to say yes, regardless of the consequence, regardless of the chaos that would ensue, we were going to say yes to every single thing that walked through the door. If they called, didn't matter what was going on. That's all you have to do. That one thing alone, um, increased car count that week, starting on a Wednesday, by 20 cars. That, I, I only did that thing for the next couple of weeks. I didn't go through and start trying to talk to anybody about the way we were going to start moving forward. I just started reading a bunch, read that Leadership and Self-Deception book. And once I had said, all right, this thing clearly worked. Let's move on to the next thing. So I started trying to figure out a way to implement some processes that I had learned and putting systems in place and then leading the people through it, basically going in there saying, okay, this is what has to be done. How am I going to get these guys to listen to me after I have led them so far astray? So I sat every person in the company down individually and apologized to them. I said, I'm sorry that I have allowed us to go this far off the path. I'm sorry that you aren't making the money that you deserve because of decisions I've made. I am sorry that all of these things have happened and I have led us into this hole. I promise you that none of that will happen again. I will not make any of those mistakes again. In doing this, moving forward, I'm going to need your help. I need your help to, I need you to come up with a way to trust me again, even though I've just apologized and told you that all of these things were terrible. And basically, I just got buy-in from every person that said we were going to go through and start implementing these processes. And once I got that buy-in, I felt, like there was nothing I couldn't put in place. There was nothing I couldn't do. 
I finally felt like I was going to be able to be a leader rather than just the guy who stood at the front who had his hands on what they said was the wheel of the ship. I never felt like I had my hands on the wheel of the ship. I, I finally felt like I was actually at the, at the wheel, taking control of my life, taking control of what was going on and doing something about it. So 2018, I didn't lose a single person. Everybody stayed on. We continued to grow. We started hitting, um, well, I had a, uh, I decided to join the coaching company that I went and saw. And he called me and gave me a list of action items. And I don't know about you, but that's one of my favorite things, right? Is if you give me a list of stuff to do, I'm going to check the boxes, right? I am, I can be incredibly laser focused and one track minded. I'm sure I ran some people over in the process. Um, But he gave me a list of things that I needed to try to do. So, you know, I, I painted the place and made it look pretty. I put my advisors in shirts and ties. I got all of these systems in place, and then we started doing $80,000 months. We kind of nipped at a $90,000 month. And then I would say the middle of 2019, I started to recognize that we had way more potential than I'd ever given it credit for. We still hadn't broken a hundred grand, but we had gotten to a place where we were comfortably hitting in the 90s. And I was starting to realize that maybe I'm not crazy. Maybe this place has more to offer than I thought it did. I'd finally probably let go of some of the old feelings that I had about the location problem that I assumed I had way back in the beginning, I think I finally let go of that specific thing. And when I finally let go of that and decided I'm going to make this place a monster, COVID hit. 2020 happened. And... My store manager at the time, who was amazing when he was on and was, you had to walk on eggshells when he wasn't on, um, COVID hit and it, uh, it ruined. It, it, it was probably one of the hardest things I, I've ever done was to realize that I didn't have to fire him because of performance. I didn't have to fire him because he wasn't doing what he needed to be doing. I had to fire him because he was destroying my culture. And I didn't even know that I had built a culture. And he was, I loved him, right? He was awesome. And firing him was the only thing that I I could do at the time to deal with the situation. He just wasn't going to be willing to be able to work with some of these other people. And it turns out that firing him caught us on fire. We lost about six weeks during COVID. During those six weeks, 
Um, I never laid anybody off. I, had, I kept all, all my people working. I promised them all their 40 hours. Um, they came in, they painted, they tore down walls, we built rooms, um, we, we, we changed things, um, moved cameras around. We did whatever it took to just do something. And then it just went crazy. In May of 2020, we hit our first $100,000 month. And it, it was like, what in the world is going on here? All of a sudden, we couldn't, we couldn't keep up. We have to hire people. Um, we've got all of, these, all of this stuff going on, and the rest of the world's telling us that um, we need to be nervous and scared. And I'm like, you guys, you better hold on. We are riding a wave, right? And I guess I've been lucky enough to find really, really quality people who really, really push the envelope for us. And now we're where we are now. COVID's however far behind us, right? If it's ever really gone. Um, But... COVID's behind us now, and this, we, they, they're now joking at the shop regularly that they have to build little trophies to give to customers for finding a parking spot. You know, we're, we're running out of parking spots. We're, it's, it's just a monster. Right now, I'm trying to get a fifth technician in there um, because I know that that's the potential that's required in order to, to really, you know, get where we need to go. And... Uh, the last three months have been record-breaking net profit, record-breaking gross profit, and I'm just trying to hold on. Did you know that some web design companies use the same wording across all their client sites? Unfortunately, this common practice is noted by Google as plagiarism, which will cause your site to be ranked lower. That's why it's critical that whoever makes your shop's website knows better. That's why so many top shops trust Leads Near Me to create and manage their shop's websites. As Google Certified Partners, they know how to make a top-ranking website from an insider's perspective. Get a free site analysis by visiting leadsnearme.com or calling 888-953-2379. Leads Near Me. Effortlessly increase car count. What stands out to me you know, hearing your story, you know, beginning to current is, you know, you really, you recognize back at that meeting, I'm the problem. And you poured into yourself so that you could pour into your team. And because of that culture you built, even when you had to do painful things to protect it, your leadership and the culture that it created, it sounds like that's one of your, your clues to success. I would say that uh, protecting that culture is more important than worrying about whether or not we followed a process right or whether or not we're going to, uh, if we, we, somebody ran into something, you know, you can get upset about losing the money and stuff. But the thing that I focus on the most nowadays is just making sure that everybody in the building is kind of happy with their station and, and that they're, they're, they want to do what they want to do. 
I uh, made, started making this promise to every person. Uh, I wish I could tell you when it was when I started doing it. It was probably right after I made that fire to that store manager. But every single person I have hired since then or interviewed, I have made this promise. We don't do prima donnas anywhere in this company. You are not allowed to be a high hour turner and a pain in the ass. I'm sure I'm not allowed to say that. I'm sorry. <laughs> you are not allowed to be the rock star salesman and then everybody start, you know, being worried about when you're around and, you know, bringing the moral down, morale down. If you are, if you suck to be around, you're not allowed to work for me. That's, that's kind of the, the rule. And I make that promise to everybody. So now it keeps me accountable because I've made promise. that promise. Yeah. Would there be any other clues that you would leave on how to build an incredible culture? Engaging your team in every aspect of the business will engage them in ways you didn't know they would want to help. You know, I had this big post on Facebook recently about, uh, you know, talking to your team about gross profit and, and sharing with them information. And I would say within about a week of that happening and us no longer talking about sales, but talking about gross profit, which was a scary conversation to have, to, especially to a lot of shop owners who are worried about what their people think they make. You know, their people already think that you're keeping 100% of the sales, right? So you might as well tell them you're not. You might as well let them know that you're really mm -hmm. keeping 11 cents. And, uh, you know, just sharing with them how to help you be successful. So I shared with them what the model of success nationwide looks like, you know, the 60% GP, the 40% overhead, keeping 20%. And told them that that is what the model of success really looks like. And that I want to be able to walk around and tell everybody that this is a, su a successful shop. And I want them to be able to tell people that they were part of that success. But they didn't know how to do that. So I had to share that with them. And they put up this, uh, it must be a four foot by eight foot sheet of melamine that they've turned into a whiteboard. Um, that one of the guys is having their wife do a thermometer out of vinyl so that they can fill the thermometer in with the gross profit dollars. And so they took a tracking it. board that I had that was probably one foot by two foot, and they're going to turn it into this four foot by eight foot tracker um, so that they can keep track of how far we're going and, and meeting goals that were set based on what I thought success looked like. And now... They're asking me, what gross profit did we do versus did we hit our sales goal, right? Because sales isn't where it's at. Gross profit's what pays the bills. So if you don't have any gross profit right. left over, you, don't have, you can't pay any of your bills. That's right. So just sharing with your people. What's next for you? What's next for me is getting this place dialed into a spot where I can go open store number two, and then I'm hoping once I get store number two open, I have 
created a model of uh, or a pattern that I can follow to open store three, four, five. Um, I want to get five or seven stores open. I don't necessarily want to dominate the Columbus market, but I definitely want to have a, a solid presence in it. And um, I wouldn't mind tripping over money. That would be pretty fantastic. Um, so, you know, I think giving all of my people a place to go so that it can continue to grow is what's next for me. That's fantastic. I love it. Last question, Todd. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be? So I've heard you ask this question to to other people, and it came up in the email. So it was hotly debated at my house when I decided to ask my wife and children about it. And uh, I said, I'm a square body pickup or square body Chevy. And they were like, I don't know what that is. So I was Googling images of it and putting it up on the TV. And they were like, you're absolutely not that, you know. Um, my wife and one of the girls was, no, you're, you're, you're Acura. And, and I have a, uh, a TLX Type S. And I was like, I cannot be a performance car. That is definitely, that can't be it, right? So I think the answer I'm settling on to your question it's like a 76 Toyota Land Cruiser. It can get up and go places, right? It can be driven through just about anything, and it's reliable. And I'd like to think that I am uh, reliable at the very least. Todd, it's been a pleasure to have this conversation with you. You've left so much uh, insight and such powerful clues for those listening. So I'm very grateful for your time today. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. That was my interview with Todd Baldrige. I want this show to serve and impact as many people in our industry as possible. So to help me in that mission, please leave us a review, subscribe to the show, and tell others about us. If you'd like to contact me, you can email me at thomas at slcautopodcast.com or call 615-656-8804. Thanks. Have a great week. No two shops are the same. That's why cookie cutter advice and coaching does not work. In order for your shop to get to the next level, you must have an action plan designed around your shop's unique needs. You'll also need accountability and encouragement along the way. Let ShopFix Academy help you create your best shop. Call 615-645-3683 to speak to someone on their leadership team about seeing if ShopFix Academy is a good fit for your shop. Learn more at shopfixacademy.com.